you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter number 4. The Gospel of Mark chapter number 4. The Gospel of Mark chapter number 4. We'll begin reading in verse number 23. We also will have that scripture, I believe. Uh, did I say Matthew? Oh, Matthew 24. Oh, sorry, Matthew 4. Did I say Matthew 24? Matthew chapter 4. You have that one? I said Matthew 4. Okay. I said Mark. These glasses are affecting my brain. All right. Matthew chapter number 4. We'll begin reading in verses 23 through 25. The Gospel of Matthew chapter number 4. When you get there, you can say amen. amen. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paratics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would take these, uh, this vessel, uh, these lifts of clay, Father, and do what only you can do. Use me for your glory. I pray, Lord God, that as this word is spoken, that it will, uh, Lord, settle in the hearts of those that will hear. And uh, there would be fruit that will spring forth, uh, Lord God, and that we will be people, Lord, that love people. And people, Lord, that spread the good message, the good news of Christ to a world that is dying and is in so much need for the gospel of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who don't know, we have been in a series. And I believe uh, that this is the last installment of this series. The title of our series has been Harvest Time. And what we really have been focusing in on is... Our, um, uh, our ability or, if you will, um, training and equipping and learning and understanding and exploring uh, what it means to share your faith. And so in recent weeks, we have explored the life of uh, uh, several people in the Bible, the prodigal son. We talked about how that uh, his life was impacted and how he had the, that father exude the heart of the father in that story, the father God. We also uh, had explored the life of the woman at the well and Jesus' encounter with her. And so we have been talking about how to share your gospel, how to share your faith, because that's primarily the reason that we're here. Uh, I said before at the beginning of this series of messages that 
if it was all about us just dying and just going to heaven or just going to heaven, then God would just take us out. Uh, he left us here so that we can be a witness. He left us here because there's folks out there that are dying and need to hear this gospel. And so then we need to be, it needs to be something that constantly drives us all the time. It, it needs to be in the back of our minds. How can I share the love of Jesus? Because we do not want to see anybody leave this world without the knowledge of God. Are you tracking with me? Because how many know that judgment is coming? And, and we want people to know this Jesus who we serve. I'm not about just, and we're not at this church about just simply uh, having church and doing the church thing. We are about life change. <laughs> we want people to be impacted. We want people's lives to change. We want your marriages to be better. We want your relationships to be better. We want you to be better in your finances. We want you to be better physically, emotionally. We want you to, to, to prosper in every aspect of your life. And there's no greater way to do that than coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. He's the hope of the world. And we're living in a time where the message of Jesus is being somewhat watered down. Uh, what I mean by that is... Uh, you know, that there are a lot of folks out there who are trying to change the gospel to a message of good works and social activism. That Christianity is simply just like any other religion. I mean, you've heard that. My argument with that is Christianity is not a religion. It's about relationship. But that's a whole other message. I can, I can touch on that. But but what you find is this kind of water, this watering down effect where, where people are just saying, you know, and, and you know, you, you, you know, you Christians sometimes, you, you, you seem to be a little bit insensitive. Because you just, you kind of talk like your Jesus is uh, the only way. Uh, well, I don't hear about too many other, I don't think Muhammad, uh, Harry Krishna, Buddha, I don't think they got up out of the grave last I checked. Uh, you know, Jesus, uh, he did some pretty incredible things <laughs> to establish who he was. But, but what disturbs me is that there are even pastors, or so-called. I was watching TV the other day, and I'm not one to criticize pastors much because I'm one. So I know it can boomerang back on me, so I understand that. But hear my heart. I was watching once on television with a gentleman who was uh, speaking to Larry King. I won't give his name. I asked him a question. Larry King says, um, is Jesus your only, is the only way? Well, yeah, I, I, that's what I believe. But what about other people who say that their God is, their God is the way too? And I, I, I'm not going to really, really speak on that. I, I really don't know. I'm like, excuse me? Um, to the point that people are afraid to call, for example, sin, sin. We don't like to talk about the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and so you got, you got people who are afraid to offend people. I don't want to offend anybody. 
So, you know, I just got to be nice. And, you know, I'm all about being nice. But how many know that Jesus offended a lot of people? (laughs) Uh, He offended a lot of folk. Uh, And it wasn't that he was being mean about it. He just said, here, here is who I am. He said, this is who I am. I came from God. He said, I and my father are one. And they picked up stones and said, you got it. We're going to kill you. You are out of your mind. He just told the truth. And so people today, there's just kind of a, and I, and I find, I don't know about you, but I've kind of discovered that it seems to be this kind of uh, uh, discrimination against Christianity. Single Christianity out. And I think there's a reason behind that. And, and, you know, the men met yesterday. We had a good time. We talked about, one of the things we talked about is that we got to be strong men that are willing to stand up and say what Jesus said. And not worry about if people get offended. Because as a believer, as a, my job is not to walk around saying, well, I don't want to offend you. Now, I, can, I will be loving to you. I will give you the shirt off my back. But it's because of my love for you. And first for Jesus, I got to tell you the truth. I cannot water down the message of the gospel because when I say that my God, that Jesus is God's validation and the only way into heaven. I got to tell you that, and you know, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Now, we can be respectful of other religions, you know, because I mean, you know, we need to be respectful. But we now need to be so respectful that uh, we compromise our values and we water down what Jesus said, who he is. I mean, because he says that that I go to prepare a place for you. And what I have done now is left you here to carry on what I did. He was a example for you and me. That's what he did. And so what happens is, watch this. I want you to stay with him. I'm going somewhere with this. So watch this. We have a culture today that tries to dictate. The culture tries to dictate what's right and what's wrong. The culture. The culture tries even to come into the life of the church and try to tell the church what's right and what's wrong. No, you will, pastor, minister, whoever you are, uh, uh, you're going to uh, marry these two Brothers or these two sisters because it's politically correct. And it's amazing. But it's almost like the church is kind of sit back and just kind of say, okay. I mean, no, that's an abomination. It's wrong. It's against what God said. And and it's amazing. But, but it's almost like there's a comfort level with us with trying to be like the world when the Bible says that we are to come out from among them. And it talks about how that we are to be not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we are to lead the charge. The Bible says you and I are the light of the world. A city on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. So that means that the church are supposed to lead the way as it relates to righteousness. The church ought to be the moral moral voice in this nation and throughout the world. 
that we are to carry the torch. You're not called to sit back and just and just go to church and, and just say, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, and then just live your life. You are called to change a generation, people. You are called to change. And you're listen, you cannot sit by and let people distort the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we're living in the age of apostasy. Where Jesus talked about that right before he came back, he comes back. Now, you know he's coming back. And, and, and I'm hoping <laughs> very quickly. He, he's coming back, you know. And, uh, and, 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 you know, we need to under, there need to be a sense of urgency with the church. That, you know, we act like we got forever. We just, I don't know what it is about us. We just think like, oh, we got 15, 20. You don't know. I mean, he could come back any moment. He could come back any moment. And so we need to think about what it is that we're supposed to do. You know, Jesus, when he came, he preached the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. I like this scripture. It talks about how Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And, you know, whenever you have a kingdom, you have a, you have a governing authority. Uh, you have laws that... Uh, uh, help or to help to shape how people are to live their lives. Jesus came to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And with regard to the gospel of the kingdom, there is a way by which we are supposed to live. There, there, there are laws in the kingdom of God. And there is a message out of that kingdom, if you will. There's a message that Jesus taught when he was here. And let me warn you, let me tell you, the message of the cross go counter or contrary to the norm. See, if you know that right up front, you don't get up mad, you don't get upset when people get mad at you or when people want to talk about you or when people want to say bad things. Jesus said, listen, they persecute me, you can expect the same thing. When Jesus came, brother, let me tell you something, he went against the culture. That's why they killed him. He said, look, he said, this is who I am. And, 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 you know, and there were a lot of people, particularly those who were in authority, those who were supposed to be the know-it-alls, they were, they killed him. Because Jesus just, he came and he just said stuff. And he said, no, 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 you can't be coming over here talking like that. And, 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 and you know, and, and, and the world tried to tell the church, you can't be talking like that. You know, you know I, God bless her. Uh, you know, I, she's nice. And, but, but I'm sorry, Oprah, you're wrong. The Church of Oprah, wrong. She had a little thing on the internet, the Church of Oprah, which says that, you know, you can get in any old kind of way, and it's what, oh, just what you believe. Just, just, just love everybody. What kind of gospel is that? But then they say, I believe in Jesus, but, you know, he ain't it, though. Anything, any message, when we talk about Jesus Christ, watch this. Anything that we say about Jesus as it relates to the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus always must be the central focus. The moment that Jesus is not the central focus in the preaching of the gospel, something is wrong. Or whenever you see people try to devalue or minimize Jesus' impact, well, Jesus was just another teacher. Jesus did not say that he was another teacher. He said, I and my father are one. <laughs> Come on. I mean, they knew exactly what he was saying. 
In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we need to be people that understand what we are called to do in this generation. In the book of Jude, and I'll just read this, and I don't have it there for the screen, but Jude 1, it says, I felt, the I felt it necessary to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. You know, that word contend means you got to fight for the faith. You got to fight for the message of the gospel. You're not called to do that. You know, Larry King ain't going to do it. <laughs> Oprah ain't going to do it. Uh, you know, all the popular newscast people, and they're not going to do it. We are called to earnestly contend, to fight for, to make sure that the message says exactly what Jesus wanted it to say, which means that you and I got to know what it says. Because deception is at an all-time high. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's, I mean, you, I'm gonna tell you, as you get closer to Jesus' return, watch this. Don't be surprised. You're going to hear more and more people getting hard toward Christianity. You're going to see more and more persecution for those who call ourselves believers. Then what are you going to do when they come to you and tell you, you got to keep quiet. You can't open your mouth. What are you going to do? It's coming a day and time. Well, we're going to find out uh, who you really are, for lack of better words. The real Christians, please stand up. It's coming to time. Now, you know, I'm not talking legalism and religion. I'm talking about Jesus. That we are his representatives in the earth. And, and, and we just cannot just, we got to stop. We got to stop this. We got to stand up for Jesus. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Well, I'm afraid to open my mouth and talk about Jesus. Well, think about that scripture. Carry that with you and meditate on it. Jesus, if you deny me, I will what? Deny you. Let that be a motivation because, because they need to hear the truth. You know, sometimes the truth hurts, but, but you know, you still got to give it because it's that you love people so much, you can't let them go down that road. You know, my kids sometimes, you know, when they were really little, I mean, they fuss and they scream and they want and stuff. And I would tell them, no, you cannot. You cannot eat donuts and crackers all the time. You can't. You can't eat just donuts. You got to eat some meat. It's good for you. Well, I want some candy. I want a lot. No, you can't eat that all day long. Your teeth will fall out. It's poor nutrition. You can't do that. Well, I don't understand why I can't do that. You know how kids had a little temper tantrums? But you know what? But because you love them so much, you say, you can stump all you want to, but you're going to eat your vegetables. You're going to eat some meat. Yeah, we're going to do it. Because you know why? Because I love you so much. I got to tell you what's right. I got to give you what's right for you. I, I just can't let you just, just do what you want to do. Because, you see, you see, I see that you're living a life and you're on a path of destruction. And, and, and you know, if the house is burning, 
Come on. If the house is burning, I want to try to get you out of there. I don't want to leave you in the house while it's burning. Come on. Get get out of the house. Get some water. Get them out. Danger, danger. That's the way we got to look at this thing. It's getting close, people. And let me tell you something. We got to get serious about this thing we call Christianity. So I got seven keys that embodies. And I'll try to do this quick. Seven keys, and you can write these down if you like. Seven keys that embodies the message of Jesus. The first key, number one, we talk about the message of Jesus. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I don't need to elaborate on that, but to say this, we got to come to a point that we have the heart of Jesus. He loved people that, so much that he gave up everything so that he can come down for you and me. You are here this morning because God loves you, and you know it. Every one of you, you are here this morning because you know Jesus loves you. That's why you're here. You knew where you were. You knew what pathway you were on. You knew it. And you're here this morning because it's your way of saying, Lord, I love you. At the very least, you want to know him because you even, if you don't know him, you've heard about him. God so loved the world that he gave. You know, there's coming a point in time when he's going to judge the world. But, you know, when Jesus came, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. There's coming a point in time where that's going to happen. But, you know, we live in a dispensation of grace. Uh, But the door is closing. You know, it's, it's time that the church begin to understand that, 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 that he's coming back. And this door is not going to be open for all that long. But, but love must be our motivation because it was God's motivation. That everything we do, that our, we share, it's, it's about our love for people. Number two, look at Romans 3. Uh, Verses 9 through 23, if you will. I got a couple of scriptures here for you. I got a couple of scriptures here. I'm going to read to you. Uh, Romans number 9. We'll, read, we'll start reading in verse 23. Are you there? Well, watch this. Now, I got to get there real quick. I got distracted a little bit because I had to give a message to my dear wife. Amen. Y'all still with me? All right. Now, say with me. Watch this now. Because now I want you to jot these scriptures down because this is a message. When you think about sharing Jesus, what I'm giving you is the central thing that you got to talk about. Watch this. Uh, Starting in verse number nine of Romans chapter three. It says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks They all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. Watch this. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
Now, that's strong, isn't it? Now, we know that whoever, whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, for every mouth may, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in this sight, for by the law is a knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. Watch this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. See, that's the message. Everybody have sinned. Well, well, wait a minute. I'm not as bad as such and such. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> you're still a sinner, though. And, you know, God's standard is perfection. And none of us can get there. And you may be a better sinner than brother and sister so-and-so, but God's standard is perfection. Is there anybody perfect in here who's willing to stand up? Because if you say you're perfect, I'll sit down and let you preach. (laughs) The Bible said all have sinned and fallen short. All of us have sinned and fallen short. Now, you may be a stronger sinner than the other or weaker than the other, but all have sinned. This is the message we got that Jesus taught, that, that everybody, that, 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 that Jesus has come to be a light in the world. And he came into a dark world that we might know him. None of us, I mean, no, you know, we weren't really seeking after God. Well, I was seeking after God. Not really. God came after you. He put it in your heart. He put it in your mind. In fact, he ordained, I like this, the doctrine of predestination. He ordained you before the foundations of the world to be a part of his kingdom. You were chosen. Ah, Glory to God, you were chosen. God just said, you know what, Um, you know, when I used to play basketball, I used to get a little bit of second. They didn't choose me. That was a bad feeling. (laughs) But boy, whenever you got picked, (laughs) you know, they come up to you. Boy, boy, that feels good. (laughs) Chosen. God chose you. He came after you because he loved you that much. I, you know, all of us got these things. We say, you know, we like to say, well, when I get, when I get before Jesus and I see him and I get to have a conversation with him, I'm going to ask him this, I'm going to ask him that. No, you're not. <laughs> you're going to fall on your knees. Thank you, Jesus, and you're going to worship him because there's no explanation why he chose you and me. There is none. And I know some of y'all think you're real good in that and bag of chips, but listen, <laughs> he chose me. That's why nobody, nobody who calls themselves a believer ought to be walking around with their head hung down and talking about I'm all discouraged and I'm all disappointed and nobody loves me. What? What? Talk to me. You were chosen. God knew you were a sinner. He said, I'm still going to choose you. You were messed up. He said, I knew you were going to do that before I chose you. I knew you were going to be a hard head. I knew you were going to be a knucklehead before I chose you. But, but I already accounted for all of that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm. The, second, the second message is, watch this. The third message is number three. Repent. Everybody say repent. repent. We don't like to talk about that word repent, but that's a bad word. <laughs> repent. Repent doesn't mean perfection. It means a change of heart, change of mind, which will ultimately result in a change of life. 
See, the problem, I don't have a problem per se with people that struggle with sin, but I got more of a problem with, with people that call sin righteousness and say that it's okay and that God is cool with it when the word of God clearly says it's wrong. That's when I have the problem because now we're talking about something else. Well, Pastor, I'm struggling with it. Say, okay, good. We'll pray with you. You'll get the, you know, keep coming to church. Stay we'll, we'll work with it. But, you know, I, hear, I saw the word said there, Pastor. I don't agree with it. <laughs> then you ain't repenting. You ain't sorry. You don't care. You are still in your sins. But, boy, when you repent, you, you know what? I'm repenting means I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to agree with God that what I'm doing is wrong. God, I'm going to agree. I agree with you, God, that I'm messed up. I agree with you, God. I got issues. I agree with you, God. I need to get right. I'm in agreement. Lord, help me. But until a person comes to that place of repentance, there is no salvation. So there's this spirit that's going around today that says, do what you want. Have a good time. Do everything. God don't really care about all that. Let me tell you something. I love you too much to let you walk out here and think that. Because it's coming a point in time that you're going to have to give an account for how you live your life. So we got we to gotta keep preaching repentance even though people don't want to do it. You can't be living up in that and talking about you repented. You can't be sitting up there behind the pulpit practicing homosexuality talking about it's right. And saying that God says, okay, you are in your sins. You are of another spirit. I'm preaching good, better than you letting on right now. Because you know when you're free, you really don't care. And I say that with all the love I get. I mean, because I have a mandate from God. And you have a mandate from God. You got to come to a point where you just got to be so committed to the truth that if it stings or hurt a little bit, okay, that's okay. But, but you know, it's like that medicine. What's that stuff they you give that cough syrup, that stuff? Somebody, what is it? Castro. Yeah, you take, you know, it's ugh, the worst stuff. But boy, let it work for a little while, you're going to feel much better. That's how it is. That's how it is. So we got to preach a message every 10. Number four, we are justified by his grace. Look at Romans 3, chapter 20. I'm sorry, uh, chapter 3, verse 24 and 28. For all have sinned and come, uh, I'm sorry, verse 24 through 28 in Romans chapter 3. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in who? Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. Now, that's a big fancy word, but you know what the word propitiation means? Payment. Payment. God has set Jesus as a propitiation or a payment for our sins by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. I mean, you know, did God let you go on your way? You know, he let he let folks in the human race do what they want to do. But now he's he sent Jesus. He says, time is up. <laughs> time is up. That's what he's saying. Watch. To demonstrate at the present time, verse 26, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Watch this. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law or of what works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Can you tell people that you can't work your way into heaven? Well, you know, I'm good. I give to the poor, you know. 
I, I help with arms outstretched. You know, I, I lift up some boxes. You know, uh, you know I've, I've done a lot of really neat things. You know, uh, my neighbor, is, you know, they're just rude and they're, you know, doing all kind of stuff. But we're nice and we go to bed at 9 o'clock at night. We keep all our lights. We don't turn the music up loud at night. We don't offend nobody. You know, I pay my bills. The IRS ain't trying to hunt me down. The police ain't after me. I live a good life, but that will not get you into heaven. It won't get you there. None of that will get you in. Baby, you got to come through the blood. Everybody got to come through the blood. Not by works of righteousness, by which we've done, but by his grace. By your grace means unmerited favor. God just gives you favor because he just, again, I don't know why. You know, I got to a point now, I just don't worry. I just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All you say, thank you, Jesus. And some people are jealous of you. Thank you, Jesus. Why are you mad? Thank you, Jesus. I pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so we're saved by his grace. But look at, look at Ephesians. You got that scripture, Ephesians 2. Did I give you that one? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Keep going. Not a work, lest anyone should boast. So you look, you can't even boast about your salvation. Well, I was, I came to Jesus, <laughs> you know, I came, see, me, I'm a little bit better because I came, I heard, I came. <laughs> he said, you can't even boast about, you can't get no credit here. It's all about him. You know, heaven is all about Jesus. Well, I don't like this praise and worship part of the service. I don't like standing up, raising my hands. Well, you're going to hate heaven. If you read your Bible, there are billions and billions of people going to be raising their hand, worshiping God, shouting hallelujah to the king. But he's Lord of lords, king of kings, Lord of lords. You know, I don't like the praise and worship, but you don't want, you, you don't want heaven. Because it's going to be loud in heaven. I like me a quiet church. Okay, go find one. But I, you read the Bible, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of shouting going on. There's a lot of There's some enthusiasm because you got all of history worshiping Jesus. So you just need to get over that quiet spirit. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, get over it. All right, number five. <laughs> he preached a message of forgiveness. Now, this is, this is good. This is what you got to tell people. Forgiveness. The Bible, 1 John 1, 1.9 says this. says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive, and to cleanse of all unrighteousness. You know what I love about that scripture? Because it says that God don't just forgive you your sin, but he also cleanse of all unrighteousness. See, that's what I love about Jesus, because you know how sometimes we, you know how little kids, you see, they, they claim they forgive, but they don't really forgive, they hold, you know. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> you tell my kids, you tell them all the time, look at them and say you're sorry. I'm sorry. And you know they ain't really sorry. But, you know, Jesus comes. Watch this. He says, he forgives us of all of our sins. He said, look, all you got to do is just confess it. Just come in agreement. Say, I got to agree with you. I'm sinning. And he says, I will, I, will, I will forgive you. But not only that, I will cleanse you. Like every day is a new day with God. How many of you have ever had a bad day? 
How many of you ever sinned in a bad day? How many of you ever been on the highway and somebody got cut you off and you got mad and you said stuff you shouldn't have said? Now, you won't tell me, but God knows. <laughs> but you, <laughs> that's why y'all laughing. Y'all know what's up. Come on. We just won't do real church. But look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse, watch this, verse 13 and 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. I love this. Did I say Colossians chapter 2? I'm in Colossians chapter 3. All right. Here we go. And you, everybody's looking at your name and say you. you. So he's talking about you. <laughs> Being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that means that you still have your sinful nature. He has made alive or quickened with him, having forgiven you a couple of your trespasses. Is that what it say? Oh. See, y'all should be saying, wait a minute, Pastor Heresy. <laughs> Y'all should have been jumping. No, Pastor, that ain't what the Bible says. Heaven forgive you what? All of your trespasses. Watch this. Heaven wiped out the handwriting of requirements. Good God Almighty. You know, the law, the law had to be fulfilled because God is perfect. God is perfect. He expects perfection, uh, uh, perfection, so his law must be fulfilled. That's what Jesus did for you. So when they say he wiped out the law of requirements, mean that he paid the debt. Propitiation. He took care of it for you. It's like you're coming into the courtroom. The judge said you're guilty. You owe such and such. And your know, brother Vince coming in and say, I'll take care of it. I'll pay it. Just look at me and say, you're free. Get out of here. Been paid. He wiped it out. He wiped out the requirements. That's how many know somebody say good news. That was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle, a spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. You know what that means? When Jesus was up on the cross, you know, I don't know what the cross means to some folks. I don't even know if people really understand what the cross means. But for the Christian, cross means victory. It means victory. Jesus made, listen, when he was up there hanging on the cross, our sins, you know what, happened? You know what God was doing? He was making a public display of victory. God said, Jesus, when he's hanging up on the cross, it's like he's saying, okay, this is symbolic that I have taken every sin that you ever committed. I've taken it away. I have, I have paid your debt. You are free. Hallelujah. He made a show of them, triumphing. That's what the cross is about, triumph. It's about triumph. It's about victory. We got to keep running here because I said I want to get out of here by 12, but here we go. Did y'all get that? That means the devil can't keep dragging up what you did. Oh, you know how you used to be. Oh, baby, it's under the blood. Oh, you remember how you did? Yeah, I, I, I confessed all that. Yeah, you know, because the devil will try to bring all that up, you know. All your sins you did. He even talked about what you did last night. I confess, I turned away from that too. It's under the blood. I gave that to him too. So what, this is, this, is a, this is a wonderful thing about his forgiveness. is that God will take your sin and he will cast him. We heard this phrase, cast him in the sea of forgiveness. And you know what? And, and, and the devil and nobody can keep bringing up your stuff. And some of your friends, some of your family who know you, they, they, they can't get over the win. But I remember when. What? You were. But and every now and then I get around my friends, you know, then they'll try to, 
You know, they're trying to enlighten my other friends. You should have knew Gary, man. I knew him in college. <laughs> I said, but it's under the blood. You can talk all you want to dead. My wife got this little saying. Every time I try to bring up, every now and then I joke with my wife. I said, but you know how you were now before you got right with God. And she said, I don't know who you're talking about. Died. That person died. I have no clue. Because she understands that she's been forgiven. And it's under the blood. You can't drag up my sin. You can't try to dangle it over top of my head, talk about how bad I was. No, baby, I have been forgiven because the scripture says he forgave me all of my sin. He nailed it on the cross. He wiped it all the way. He gave me a clean slate. Glory to God. You can start afresh. Glory to God. That's why I love Jesus so much. You can start all over again. You don't have to worry about all that stuff you did. Baby, it's an, even as a Christian, when you sin, confess it, dip back up, dust off your knees, say, I'm keeping on, keeping on. And he said, here's what you do. Just confess it, confess it to me, and I'll heal you, I'll forgive you, and I'll, and, and I'll cleanse you. You get up, you keep going. Just like your little kid, my kids fall down, wipe your knees, boy. I taught my daughter the other day, Destiny, came home and she been having these training wheels on her bike. And uh, she, uh, I said, Dad, this time is yours. Training wheels got to come off. Training wheels got to come off. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay. I said, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And Bob took those training wheels off, and she started riding. And she rode like a couple of feet, a little smile. She stopped. And she kind of smiled. She got looking. She rode again. <laughs> she smiling. Now she would ride again. She would fall. She would get back up. And every single time, she kept going further and further. And before I knew it, boy, she was, she was down the street. My wife came home on the van and said, whoa, 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 what's it? what happened? When did she know how to do that? And she just learned. But you know what? My wife didn't see you probably five, six times right before she saw her. She kept falling. But, you know, I kept saying, get up, girl, get up. Get up. Don't even think about that fall. Start all over. And, every, and, you know, and before I knew it, boy, she was paddling. She was on her way. Forgot all about the fact that I had the training with her. I came to, she's gone. She's out of here. I ain't going back. Look at the neighbor say, I ain't going back. Don't go back. Ain't nothing back there. Try that, done that. Don't work. Don't let the devil try to tell you to go back. Ain't nothing back there. Ain't nothing back there. Ain't nothing back there. All right. Number six. Can I get five more minutes? Five more minutes and we're done. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. All right. Um, put me on the clock in a second. Give me a pre, you know. Anyway, I'm begging now. This, this is bad. This, this, now, that's a pastoral five minutes. That's a difference. So when the pastor tells you five minutes, y'all, do, y'all do, they don't see most pastors don't tell y'all that. It's usually like 15, 20. <laughs> see, a pastoral five minutes is different than when Brother Vincent say five minutes. I, be, I see you in five minutes. No, not for a pastor. No, no, that means something totally different. So be careful. So y'all, buddy, you know. But y'all already committed. So, so it's already over. All right, here we go. Number six. Here's, and you got to stay true to this. I'm going to show you a, couple, a few scriptures. He is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. John 14, 6. You got that scripture? Can you put that up? Now, just in case, now here's what Jesus said himself. Now, you ask me. Now, here's what people say to me. Well, um, now, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, uh, that's all in how you interpret it. Okay, <laughs> come on. I mean, anybody can't get it there. Is something wrong? Show, show them Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Watch this. Nor is there any salvation, just in case you didn't get the first one. 
Nor, now this is the apostles talking. Nor is there any salvation, nor is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Y'all don't believe that. All right, turn to Philippians 1.9, is it? Or 2.9? You have that one? You have Philippians 2.9? All right, turn there. Turn there real quick for those of you who are quick, but you got to get there quick because I got I to close it down. Philippians 2.9, watch this. Therefore God has, in verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name. Now watch this. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and, un- and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. That's it. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. There's no other name. He said, you're going to bow to me. Well, I ain't going to bow to nobody. Oh, you're going to bow. <laughs> but your rebellious self, you're going to get down. You ain't got no choice because he created you. Well, I ain't going to bow to Jesus. You think so? Really? <laughs> he said, every knee will bow and every tongue's going to what? Confess. Right. He said, every tongue's going to confess. That means that, that you ain't got no choice. Whether you believe him or you don't, you're going to have to bow down and say he's Lord. Yeah. Amen. See, you know, because when you create stuff, you can do that. <laughs> you know, if you want to have that kind of power, create your own heavens and the earth. Right. Create your own galaxies. Create your own people. Then you can have a little, but until you can do that, you're going to bow. Now, for me, I'm going to do it with a big smile. I'm going to thank you, Jesus. Some folk are going to come in kicking and screaming, but they're going to bow. Whether you want to or not, and you're going to confess, yeah, you're Lord. Because when you see all that glory, God Almighty, when you see that power, when you see omnipotence, when you see deity, ain't no question about nothing. You getting down, brother. You're getting to hell. You're getting down real fast. I refuse. Okay. Hold on. He's going to break your ankles in a loving way. See, I did this one. <laughs> All, right. All right. Lastly, he's coming back. Let people know he's coming back. Tell them, look, this is why I'm talking, telling you about Jesus because he's coming back. He can come back any day now. He can come back. You don't know when he's going to come back. You got first, first Thessalonians chapter 4? Did I give you that one? Maybe I didn't give you that one. All right. All right. You ready? Here we go. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus or die in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And in John's, uh, John's gospel says that, that Jesus says that, uh, um, he says, um, what's, the, what's the scripture? He says, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. So here, here's the thing we've got to understand. Jesus is coming back. Now, here's the problem. We don't know when he's coming back. Now, there are a lot of people out there that try to tell you when Jesus is coming back. You ever heard those? He's supposed to come back in Y2K. How many of y'all went and got all that water and, they, and those crackers, <laughs> that canned food? How many of you got those non-perishables? 
Y'all know y'all hoss hunkered down, ain't coming to work no more thinking about Jesus. Come on, y'all. Who, who going to tell the truth? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Nobody knows when he's coming back. You don't know when he's coming back. But here's what I do know. I better be ready. Um, on a serious note, he can come back today. He can come back before you walk out of here. Every eye is closed, every head is bowed. 